Previously on the Black and Blue Report. Sean Fazan from Fox 8 joins us. I really think the secondary is, is, is steadily improving. I think they have the personnel to be really good. This is with them being banged up right now. Well, let's turn our attention to the Pelicans here on this Wednesday's Black and Blue Report and check in with Luke Babbitt. We haven't talked to him since last season. It's great to see you, by the way. I don't know what it is about NBA players and their, their hair. People are all over it. Um, no, I just, you know, there's... Nothing really to it. You know, we'll see if uh, if I can continue to shoot, you know, knock down shots with it. It'll stay. If not, I may have to grow, grow it back. Now, from Studio B or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Here we go. The Thursday edition of the Black and Blue Report is coming your way. Again, from Studio B at the headquarters of the Saints and the Pelicans. Welcome into our little podcast. I'm Sean Kelly. Glad you're with us on this Thursday. Thursdays are always great um, because that's our our real good ramp up to our our Saints game this weekend, and we're going to do it like we always do. We'll start it off with the voice of the Saints, Jim Henderson, today, and we'll also get to up to speed on Carolina too. The voice of the Panthers, Mick Mixon, on our podcast as well. So um, two great guests, uh, two quality play-by-play guys who tell great stories, and I think you're going to enjoy those visits today. Um, I, Daniel, I was thinking, uh, and of course I don't have Daniel's mic on, but I was thinking on my way into work, you know, all the news that started last night about 9 p.m. about the uh, boil water advisory for basically <laughs> the entire East Bank of Orleans Parish. Um, you know, we, we are in Metairie out on Airline Drive, as I think most Saints and Pelicans fans know. Uh, but I would be curious as to, like, what's it like in the CBD today with all the folks who may have to do without their morning coffee? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, as you know, Daniel's pointing out that even even the, the TV folks over there, because there's a couple, I know WDSU, WWL, both have studios on the East Bank side. Um, yeah, that ability to get up and do that chipper morning news may have been compromised today, but I couldn't help but about thinking about that, that maybe, maybe they're not having the same great start to Thursday that we are here uh, on Airline Drive and with the Black and Blue Report. Pelicans uh, for you today. Dante Cunningham is back with the team, and we'll uh, check in with him for the first time since last season. Uh, I love Dante Cunningham. I think he was a great addition to the team last year. Uh, He's a real gentleman, and I look forward to our visit today. And we're T-minus four days now until the start of Pelicans uh, training camp on Monday. So looking forward to that. We've got a lot to cover today. Of course, you saw yesterday on NewOrleansSaints.com that Drew Brees uh, did practice, was listed on the injury report as limited I'm sure you also heard all the comments from Drew um, as he spoke to the media after practice yesterday. If you wanted to see that in its entirety um, and you haven't done so yet, it's still up at NewOrleansSaints.com or on your Saints mobile app. Uh, Nothing further from head coach Sean Payton, really, and I didn't expect to hear anything from this morning's conference call with the media. This is truly a day-to-day situation, and coach uh, readily said he used the word anxious. He said, I'm anxious to see how Drew is today. Uh, the Saints are usually on a, a midday practice schedule. If uh, today is like yesterday, they'll spend a good portion of that outside on the grass, similar to what they'll see on Sunday at Carolina. So uh, that's the latest on that. John DeShazer and I will have a New Orleans Saints afternoon wrap presented by Acme Oyster House later on today, and hopefully we'll know more at that time. Hey, we've got a full show for you, so I want to get right to our first time out. And when we come back, we'll start things off with the voice of the Saints, Jim Henderson.
At Smoothie King, we're so much more than just fruit in a blender. Because each and every Smoothie King smoothie is blended for a purpose. Whether you want to firm up for summer or last longer in the gym, make it one more mile or simply make it through the day, we have a smoothie just for that. If you're looking to purify your diet, hurry in and try our new Nutty Super Grain Vegan Smoothie. Made with almond milk, Sun Warrior Protein, Super Grains, and a peanut taste you'll go nutty for. Only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. What's up, Black and Gold fans? This is Anthony Mackey, Seven Wall Soldier, Drew Brees' disciple. You are listening to the Black and Blue Report. Well, we're ready to go. We're ready to take the show into the next gear here, and uh, we do that on Thursdays with the voice of the Saints, Jim Henderson, um, who probably played tennis already today. Uh, did you uh, get out and hit some balls today, Jim? I haven't even been outside yet, Sean. I've been heavily at work on my game preparation, which is right about to wrap up right now. So eventually I'll get out there, but no, not as yet. How dare I insinuate that you would have a country club start to your Thursday on game week? Heck no. This is, this is the big prep day. You know that. I know. I know. I'm just trying to stick it to you a little bit. I know better than that. Voice of the Saints joining us here on this Thursday as the Saints get set to take on the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Jim, if I'm not mistaken, you called every snap of Drew Brees' Saints career. How weird is it for you to prepare for this weekend's game with the possibility that number nine may not play? Hey, that's, that's true. I never even thought of that. I have called every game of his and every snap of his career as a Saint. And uh, now I'm busy doing my homework on Luke McCown in case he has to play. And thinking back to, you know, the only pass that Luke McCown has ever thrown as a Saint came in Carolina. It's amazing how many crazy things have happened in this series. Came in Carolina in a St. loss in which they tried to execute a fake field goal with him throwing the football to, I believe it was Shane Graham in the end zone, one of the ugliest fake field goals or fakes of any kind of, kind of ever seen. It was laughable. That's the only pass he's ever thrown as a Saint. I remember that very much. Um, it's it's interesting, and I, and, and I think that uh, everybody's being – truthful around these parts and saying that they don't really know about number nine or whether number seven will have to step up but yesterday drew Brees, as it as it is a custom on wednesday uh speaks to the media you were there what did you take away from the drew Brees session yesterday i think he i thought he was a little more candid drew's always pretty candid but i thought he was a little more candid than i expected i mean obviously he's got to carry out sean's wishes and that's to say that he's day-to-day but I thought he was a little bit more forthcoming than I actually expected. You know, but I don't think that he's throwing up a smokescreen. If, if Drew can play, he will. He's that kind of guy. But I also think the Saints aren't going to take any chances. So we'll see. And, you know, this has not been an easy team for him to play against. In the last three games against the Panthers, he's thrown three touchdowns and four interceptions. And, and none may be worse than what we saw at home last year when both teams had a lot at stake. That game, I'm just looking back through my notes, and we always go back to the last time these two teams met. And when they met in New Orleans last year, it was December 7th of 2014. Might have been one of the most discouraging games I've ever seen the Saints play. Just let me take you through this holocaust. 
first Panther possession, <clears throat> they went eighty went on an eighty yard drive for a touchdown. They never faced a third down. Newton was five of five for fifty six yards. He carried the ball twice for twenty four yards. He had a twenty one yard run on his first carry of the game. It was his longest of the season. The Panthers were up seventeen nothing and forty one three in that game. They won the game forty one ten. I remember an altercation that Newton had in the end zone uh, to the Gerard Street side of the Superdome. Uh, when he got in an altercation with first Cam Jordan and Curtis Lofton got into it, and Lofton and a tight end named Brandon Williams kind of pushed and shoved. Williams was ejected. The Saints had no sacks of Newton, who was the second most sacked quarterback in the NFL at the time. The Panthers averaged five yards per carry before first contact. 200 of their 271 yards rushing came uh, after five yards downfield. Jimmy Graham had three receptions and three drops in that game. So that's how dominant the visitor can be recently in this series, and I think maybe that's one thing that you hope for um, for the Saints on Sunday, and that's going to, to Carolina where they have had some recent success. Yeah, you really know how to bring up the spirits of the room, don't you? I mean, when you, when you go to speak to school children, do you do something like that? Is that part of your stick? No, I'm just trying to tell it like it is. I, I mean, know, I know. You know how it is. You got to, you got to look back at history. It's the only thing that gives you any idea of what the future is going to be, and then you're usually wrong. Yeah, well, that's the thing. You're usually wrong, and things do change. But I will say this, and and you pointed this out, you know, kind of before we started to roll the tape on our conversation today. This is an interesting series. The all-time series is led by Carolina by just an advantage of two at twenty-one to nineteen, but yet, Jim, the Saints have a winning record at Carolina at ten and nine. I know the big rival is Atlanta, but when you look at a right. series as close as this one and yeah. as crazy as this one, I don't know how yeah. you don't see Carolina as a legit rival of the Saints in this division. You know, I think that's a very good point, Sean. Um, but I think probably the reason the Saints fans don't is there's not a lot of venom between these two cities as there is Atlanta and New Orleans. I've always found going to Charlotte – it might be one of the, the lesser intimidating spots in the NFL because the fans are so nice. Usually the weather's so nice. The stadium is so nice. Um, so I, I really don't think there's the, the, the rivalry isn't what it is with Atlanta just because perhaps the proximity, but also the, the venom doesn't exist in this series. Now, it may eventually that it has in the years past between the Falcons and the Saints. Craziest chapters in this uh, tight rivalry, what would you say? I can remember two of them. You know, this was the team, the Carolina Panthers was the last team that Jim Moore coached against as the head coach of the Saints. Wow. And it was the last team that Mike Ditka coached as the head coach of the Saints. And I remember it so clearly in 1996, when we were midway through the season, the Saints were having a bad year. And we played Carolina down at Clemson because they were building their new stadium at the time. So we played in Clemson. Saints lost. Sam Mills, a former Saint, had a big game, a crucial stop in that game, as I recall. And afterward, I had to do the coach's interview show, uh, so that was with Jim Mora. And in the midst of it, he took a, you know, he, he said, I can't believe we didn't run the ball more. We had to run the ball more. I said, well, Coach, you're the head coach of this team. Couldn't you tell Carl Smith to run the ball more? Oh, well, I'm not sure. So he stops the interview and goes back to berating the coaching staff which he'd already done before I got in there. So he retired after that game. And then maybe an even crazier one was we went to what was then Erickson Stadium to play the Y2K game. Uh, that was the game 
against the Panthers. It was Ditka's last game as the head coach. The Panthers won that game 45-13. to Before that game, you know, we're all worried about Y2K, what it was going to do, what we're going to be running for our lives the next day. And we had a New Year's Eve party at the hotel. Dean Kleinschmidt, who was a dear friend of mine, he was the longtime trainer of the Saints and just a great host, he said, you know, come up to my room. I've got kind of a suite here. We're going to just have a little get-together for New Year's Eve with some of the Saints' assistant coaches. So he brought some of the Saints' assistant coaches up there, guys like Walt Corey and Dick Stanfield. I mean, the Saints under Ditka might have had the oldest assistant coaching staff in NFL history. So we did it just hoping some of those guys could stay up till midnight. <laughs> and we were up in the room having a good time, not knowing what the future was going to hold. And then the next day was the last day that, that Ditka, we coached the Saints. And, you know, they got killed uh, being beaten 45-13. And I remember after that game in the locker room, Ditka was just incensed that the Panthers, with a big lead, ran up the score on the Saints, never realizing that that was part of the tiebreaker for the Panthers at the time. Uh, the score differential or the points scored was a tiebreaker way down the list because the Panthers were in playoff contention, and he was incensed that they ran up the score against the Saints, never realizing that that was the reason the Panthers did it, because it was a potential tiebreaker. So he went nuts, and then two days later, the whole staff was fired. Wow. And in that staff, there was a guy named Bobby April who lived over here in Mandeville, great guy, uh, well-traveled special teams coach, one of the best in the NFL. And there was a defensive coordinator named Zavin Uralian, and for probably the only time in my career, these two guys actually sought me out during the season to have meetings with me, to have lunch with me, to just let me know how terrible the situation was and just what a fiasco it was to be on that coaching staff. And then, of course, they were all let go. I think it was the Tuesday after that Sunday game, replaced by Hazlitt and Randy Mueller and that staff. Will you ever write a book about the Ditka years here? Hmm. You know, Sean, <laughs> I, I, sometimes I'm tempted to. And, um, look, I'll be blunt. I think I could make some money off selling a book on, on my experiences with the Saints to Saints fans, if not nationwide, maybe locally or even regionally. But I'd be reluctant to do that because I'd have to tell some stories on people that I really like that might embarrass them or hurt them personally or professionally. And to me, it's not worth whatever amount of money I might make. Yeah, that's, that's the gentleman in you, and we appreciate that very much. Although I, I do love when you can share me a, a little story like like uh, Y2K with Carolina. That's, that is a classic. Um, are we in for a classic this weekend? What, what, how do you go about getting ready for this game? Because obviously the, the unknown with Breeze, heck, the unknown with Luke Keekley for that matter. Um, it, this is, you know, usually I think when we, when we talk about the upcoming game on Thursdays, you have a pretty good handle on – how it may play out or, or what angle you're going to take. I, I'm wondering if you have that same feeling about this one. Well, that's, a, that's another good point that you're making. You know, without uh, with the uncertainty surrounding Drew and to a degree, Luke Keekley, um, the best player on the Saints offense and the best player on the Panthers defense, you're, ch- you're kind of wondering what's going to happen. I fully expect to see the Panthers running the ball repeatedly at the Saints, and Jonathan Stewart had a huge game against them last year. Uh, their wide receivers don't scare anybody. Now they'll probably go on and catch six receptions for touchdowns against the Saints. But, you know, it's Cam Newton. Uh, Cam Newton himself running the football 
has more yardage through the first two games than two teams in the NFL, the Eagles and the Lions. So to me, it's all coming down to can the Saints stop the run against these guys? And in the absence, perhaps, of Drew Brees, or at least a, a less than 100% Drew Brees, how well can the Saints run the football against these guys? The Saints are averaging 79 yards per game on the ground, and that's exactly what the Panthers give up, making them seventh best in the NFL against the run. So I would I would expect the Saints are going to have to try to pound the ball against a team that's very good at preventing that sort of thing. Wow. Um, I had a fan come up to me yesterday and tell me that this weekend's game against Carolina is the swing game of the season. If you win it, things can get themselves right. If you lose it, it can swing horribly past where it is even now. Um, you want to you want to go that drastic with this, or you want to dial that back? Well, I think that's that's the worry. But you know, uh, I'm I'm looking back at what Ron Rivera did with this football team. I think these guys had a five game losing streak in the course of last season, and still went out and won the division. Now that was with a seven eight and one record against a very poor NFC South and. Certainly, you don't expect to see a seven eight and one record, or ever even a seven eight and one record, uh, win it this year. But I mean, if you're trying to if you're trying to to negate some of the the negativism negativism that's out there, and there truly is a lot of that, and I think I've probably contributed to some of that. You've got to look at the fact that this is a team in Carolina that overcame a five game losing streak and won the division last year. But would the Saints were the Saints to lose this game? Start 0-3, <clears throat> I think it'd be almost impossible to overcome, although it's not unprecedented as recently as last year. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I, I just totally forgot about that five-game losing streak they had last year, no doubt about that. Um, any specialness to the uh, trip to Carolina, Jim, that you're willing to share with our listeners, some insight into the process of being the voice of the Saints in your travels to Carolina, just the city itself? <laughs> Well, you know, uh, it's nice getting back in the uh, in the NFC South. That first road trip to Arizona is the longest road trip we'll have to make all year. And going to the West Coast, not being able to come home on Sunday night after that game, well, close to the West Coast, going west, and not being able to come home Sunday night. You know, and, and you know, you've been through all this. You, you lose a game on the road. You lose your opener. You have to go back to the team hotel to stay over because you can't get a, catch a flight home. And then you look forward to a 4 a.m. wake-up call to fly home and work all day. So, to me, one of the nicest things about going to Carolina, a city I really like, by the way. I like a lot of the people there. Some of the people there I worked with way back in Atlanta, Charlie Dayton and other people like that. I think it's a really nice city. It's close, and we can get home relatively easily on Sunday night with time off for a good dinner after the game. So hopefully the Saints will win the game, and it'll be a nice trip all the way around. But I always enjoy going to, uh, to Charlotte. Yep, I, Charlotte is the is the queen city of that uh, region, and so there you go. And I hope, Jim, you are toasting a win on, on Sunday evening there in Charlotte, and I wish you all the best in your travel this weekend. Thanks, as always, for your time. Thank you, Sean. Yep, Voice of the Saints, Jim Henderson with us. We'll talk to the Voice of the Panthers right after this. The Pelican schedule has just been released and 12 game plans are now on sale. 12 game packages, including the ever popular weekend plan, allow you to take in a couple of games a month throughout the season for as low as $199. Don't miss your chance to see NBA All-Star Anthony Davis and your Pelicans take on the biggest names in the NBA, including LeBron James, Steph Curry, Kobe Bryant, and more. Visit pelicans.com or call 525-HOOP and score your seats today. Power outages turn your world upside down. You need 
need to know when your power will come back on, and you want to know what happened. The fastest way to stay informed? Entergy text alerts. You'll get prompt updates on when your power will be restored and on what happened. You can even send a text to be sure your outage is being repaired. When the power is out, what's faster than calling? Texting. Sign up today at EntergyText.com. That's the power of people. Entergy. Everything you need to know about the Saints and Pelicans is right here on the Black and Blue Report. Well, let's learn more about the Carolina Panthers this morning, and no one knows more about the Carolina Panthers, and no one no one can add Southern charm to an analogy like the voice of the Panthers himself. Mick Mixon, who rejoins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Hello, my friend. How in the world are you doing, my brother? We are doing well, and uh, we are excited to come see you in Carolina this weekend. And uh, the renewal of the Saints and Panthers NFC South rivalry. Here we go, uh, another chapter, and who knows what this one will bring, Mick. I don't trust it. Uh, I'm, I'm made more nervous by the prospect of, of number nine up under center than any other component of doing the play-by-play for an NFL team. Uh, I think I don't know if Drew Brees is going to play. I, I've told all my friends he's going to play. He, he'll throw left-handed. If his right arm is in a sling, he'll throw lefty, and he'll find some way to, to have that fast-twitch offense rolling against the Carolina Panthers. How, how, how are you seeing it? Yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm in the same boat as you that, you know, you know, cut my right arm off and I'll throw it with my kneecap if I have to, you know, something. I'll bounce it to him. Um, that's just the kind of guy he is, and I think at this moment here on this Thursday it's still a day-to-day situation, but you and I have seen Drew enough over the years to know that he's going to give it everything he can to try and make this happen. Um, and so with that uh, reason, the 0-2 Saints uh, go up against a 2-0 Carolina team. Take the, take the temperature, if you will, of the Panthers through the first two weeks. In a weird kind of way, we're in one of the best places that an NFL team could possibly be. We're, we're, we're even par through two holes, yet we're really not even catching the ball that solidly. Uh, we've gotten a little bit lucky, uh, but, um, but we've, you know, we're, we're right, kind of right there with a constellation of fixable errors in front of us. It's not like we got the yips or, or we can't find a fairway. We, we have some fixable problems, and I, what I mean by that is too many penalties and for 92 yards in the Houston game. That's Ron Rivera-like. And then catching the ball cleanly. These are trained professional assassins. They, they, they know how to catch the ball. They're proven commodities. But for some reason, the ball has been a little slippery for Panther backs and receivers through the preseason, and it's, and it's cropped up in the first two games. I think that is a, that is, that's not chronic. I think that's going to be a fixable problem for the Panthers. And, and we'll need for the best to be yet to be in order to, uh, to handle the Saints on Sunday. Why, why the optimism, Mick, with regard to Panther receivers when that position group has been decimated by injuries? Well, we don't have the brand name Fortune 500 Cats, but I think there's talent there. Uh, Ted Ginn Jr., uh, T- Ted Ginn should be at the height of his powers, and I think that he is. He's, 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 he should be, he's been in the league long enough now to where he should be over that all the things people said about him was a bust, uh, failed uh, first-round draft choice and all that. He's more. He wants to prove that he's more than just uh, another return man. He could be an effective uh, receiver at F and at D and in the slot, running the reverse and doing all the things he can do. So an athlete that's that talented and that irritated can, can be dangerous for opponent to deal with. And then the second component of it would be that, uh, that, that there's – 
some, I, I think, some more talented guys like Philly Brown. Philly Brown's the same thing. He can run, and he's got the to-die-for speed. Uh, as Cam Newton begins to develop more and more trust in him, he's going to get better and better. And then the other player would be Kevin Norwood, a player we coveted in the draft in 2014. He went to Seattle, and we worked a trade with Seattle to get him. He'll wear number 81, and I think, I think he's on the come. Is Cam Newton as good right now as you've seen him in his career? He just seems very comfortable, Mick. It's, it's trigger man driven. The whole league is. It's like having a band with no lead singer. I mean, you take Mick Jagger away from the Rolling Stones, you got some pretty good players, but you don't have the Stones. And I, I think that the same, the same with Cam Newton. He, he's, he's getting it. He's maturing. He, he's running less, but he's still picking his spots in a very intelligent way. Uh, there are not many quarterbacks in the NFL that can do what he can do. They may all look like this in, in a quarter of a century, but for right now, Cam Newton at 6'5", 245, the ability to make people miss in the open field. He's a handful in the red zone on short yardage. The quarterback draw, the quarterback power, the QB dart, quarterback sneak. He's, uh, the ability to run the option kind of limits the coverages that the Panthers see. So I think he's a he, he's, he's, he's definitely at, at that place that, that all NFL quarterbacks aspire to be, that is young enough to still be able to do things, but old enough to know what to do. And Mick Mixon, voice of the Panthers, with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Hey, Mick, is Luke Keekley going to go this weekend? I think so, but I don't know. Um, he, he didn't have a, a, a helmet yesterday. I think, from what I've heard, the last hurdle for him to, to clear will be the examination by the independent doctor to make sure he lines up with, with his baseline neurological function. And I don't know if that's been uh, I don't know if that's been scheduled yet. He, like Breezel, is is such a key component. What does what does Carolina's defense look like without him if he can't go? We're lucky here in the Carolinas to have uh, to have uh, a, a Luke Keekley light, and that is AJ Klein. Mm-hmm. Klein wears number fifty six. Keekley wears number fifty nine. Keekley's the starter and the star for a reason, of course, but Klein is made, cut out of similar fabric. He, he's a very intelligent zone drop pass coverage linebacker. He has savvy, a good way of reading the play. His pursuit angles are advanced. He, he doesn't take the long way home. He, he's, he's got a, a real feel for, for pursuit angles at linebacker, and he's, and he's, a, and he's got a, an appetite for the physical side of the game as well. So with him, with Jack Thompson, Thomas Davis, uh, ben Jacobs, I think the Panthers – They'll miss Luke if he can't go, but I, but I think his absence should not cripple the linebacking core. I know this uh, this next answer has a lot to do with whether Luke plays or not, or even Drew Brees for that matter. But what is this game going to feel like? You think between these two teams? It's going to feel like Auburn, Alabama. It's going to feel like North Carolina, South Carolina. It's going to feel like a rival game. It's going to feel like Frazier, Ali. Uh, these these two teams uh, have the familiarity. There's there's still there's some the pushing and shoving toward the end zone. Was that last year or year before a game down at, in New Orleans that I remember? It just seems as though these two teams have taken turns breaking one another's hearts in a variety of ways. So I think it's going to have that 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 rival, that Friday night light, that Saturday afternoon rival game. How, how do you think it's going to feel? Yeah, I kind of agree with you. I think it was two years ago that the Saints kind of did the Panthers in, and then if you remember last year, not only did the Panthers do the Saints in. Uh, late in the season, they pretty much kind of embarrassed New Orleans. Uh, are we at the point with these two teams that the feelings from a year ago, even though the teams look totally different, do you think those feelings carry over? 
I think that the game, what carries over is the game planning, the preparation. I think that, that these, the Panthers aren't going to do anything that Sean Payton's staff will not have seen and will be well prepared for. And, and the reverse may also be true. The, these two teams know, know one another so well, and they know the personnel very well. So I think it's going to come down to, to, to is this being a mistake game, a turnover game. I mean, I was watching the Saints in Tampa Bay, and it looks to me like even with Drew Brees' struggle and his, his sore wing in that game, without those three turnovers, the, the, the outcome turns very different. I think Tampa Bay is a much improved team, but I think anybody in the Carolinas that looks at the Saints and says, oh, well, they're, you know, they're not what they used to be, and Drew Brees is getting a little long in, two, in the tooth, and uh, this should be win number three, is, is taking a very naive and possibly a dangerous view of this contest. Yeah, I think you're being cautiously uh, correct in that sense, Mick, and I think the other thing that we may see is a quick-moving clock. The ground game may be huge uh, for both teams in this situation. Well, the Panthers are getting better. Uh, one re- you asked me earlier, one re- what's your reasons for optimism? And I think that, that here in the Carolinas, I can't speak for, for New Orleans, but here in the Carolinas, our GM, Dave Gettleman, has proven to be something of a, uh, of a savant. He's very good. He's a gym rat. He's very good evaluator of talent. All of our draft picks from Funches, Maya, Thompson, Artis Payne. Artis Payne had not played yet, but he, he's, uh, he will soon. Uh, the draft picks have done well. The free agent signings have done well. The defense is, is pretty salty. And the Panthers are getting better, appear to be getting better in, in that, what you say, uh, getting that offensive line pushed, knocking some creases in the run game, and, and being able to short games if they need to. What's the weather going to be like? You guys play outside. We're not quite used to that down here. It's going to be okay. It's, there's going to be rain in the Carolinas through the weekend or through Saturday, but Saturday afternoon is supposed to brighten up, and then Sunday is supposed to be sunny with a te- with temperatures in the mid-70s. Perfect, perfect. Can't wait to see you, Mick, and I appreciate your time today. Look forward to another chapter in this uh, rivalry here. Well, your questions are very good. You asked me the best questions of any any other uh, any of the other ones I do on game week when we play the Saints, and I always enjoy talking to you. Well, you're very kind. Thank you, sir, and uh, we'll look forward to your call across the Carolinas and the Southeast on uh, Sunday. Have a great weekend, Mick. Appreciate you. You got it. Mick Mixon with us here on the Black and Blue Report. We'll be right back. Last year, over 400,000 people from 90 countries and all 50 states came to Auctioner to find the critical care they needed. People who could have gone anywhere made Auctioner their destination for a level of expertise, clinical research, and treatment options they couldn't find anywhere else. Auctioner and our affiliated physicians are renowned for leading-edge cardiovascular care, cancer care, pediatric care, innovative treatment of neurological disorders, and more. Our outstanding transplant program has resulted in Auctioner leading the nation in successful liver transplants for years. And today, Auctioner is partnering with physicians and strong community hospitals throughout the Gulf South to bring access to the highest quality of care closer to home. Find the care you need today. Call 866-AUCTIONER for a same-day appointment. Auctioner, healthcare with peace of mind. We're talking Pelicans basketball on the Black and Blue Report. We need to talk some Pelicans here on this Thursday, and uh, we're going to do so with Dante Cunningham here today, returning Pelicans forward. He can play so many different positions. I, I hate putting a label on it, but I'll just start with forward. And by the way, it's great to see you again. 
Awesome. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Um, take me through what the difference between what it feels like on September the 24th of this year and September the 24th of a year ago. <laughs> um, well, a year ago, uh, you know, it, it was tough. It just um, a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of things were going on in my life personally. Um, you know, I just had to kind of get cleared up and, you know, moved on from there. And now uh, we're, we're 2015, ready to go. Um, got the team here, and just ready to start training camp. That that's the biggest thing right now. We're just we're just ready to move forward and get the season started. Dante, look back, and I think it was a West Coast road trip where you met up with us for the first time last year. As a matter of fact, I think it may have been at Golden State. Yeah. Yep. Um, how much did that change your life? Um, getting back to that, or maybe it was just a change back to what you've known all your life as far as your career goes. Exactly. It was it was just getting back to normal life that I known and I've you know built my whole life um that's what I wanted that's what I want to get back to and I, I, I've definitely accomplished that and cleared my name and just just allowed myself to continue to be the great person and player that you know I've developed and was taught to be it seemed like you gelled with your teammates rather quickly last year um did that surprise you in any way thinking back on that process now definitely um thinking about it you know, I, I literally came in about Christmas time where the team was trying to, you know, really get their identity going and, you know, coming into their own. You know, and that's a, that's a volatile, volatile time to kind of throw in a new piece. Um, and, you know, like I, I said this before, the, the guys literally op welcomed me with open arms. It was just like I've been there since day one. And, you know, we, we really didn't miss a beat. You know, we just kept running, kept getting better as a team. There's a certain vibe around this building, and, and as you mentioned last year when you arrived, we were kind of finally starting to see the identity of this team. Some of the younger players are now going to be the core of this team and whatnot. Look, after the, the run toward the playoffs, to finally break through to that, and now you come in with a new coaching staff, there's, there's something different. I know I, I know I know all the names and I know all the faces, but there's something different about this group here as we get ready to go off the training camp. It's, it's the energy. It's, the, it's still that same vibe from last year at the end of the year when we were just making the push, you know, that last game we had to beat San Antonio to, you know, just to even get to the playoffs, to have a chance. You know, that, that that's the energy is still flowing through us, and we, we feel it every day, you know, out there on the court, you know, working out and getting ready. Young uh, people come to me all the time and ask me about, what do those NBA players do in their offseason? How can I mimic what they do in the offseason to get my game better? What was yours like? What did you do this, this past offseason? This past offseason was slightly different from, I guess, my previous ones. Um, I didn't take – I took all of two weeks off, um, literally two weeks just to kind of sit and, you know, just let my body heal. You, you honestly have to do that. Other than that, I was literally – I played three times a week – and I did uh, lots of yoga, and I did lots really? of um, some mixed martial arts, not much, um, little MMA uh, training. It's, it's, it's really big out there in Portland, and it was, it was really fun. So You're smiling as you're telling me this. Uh, I, I take it you enjoyed it, and maybe, and maybe the yoga thing is uh, something you'll uh, hang on to for a while. Um, I did a little bit of yoga in college. We had like a Saturday morning class that we always took as a team, and um, and with Nike campus, just you know, they provide pretty much everything you need if you, when you go there. So they, you know, had a course there, and I was taking that pretty much Wednesday, every Wednesday morning, eleven thirty. So when I watch you play um, here in the in the coming weeks, what am I going to notice that's different? Anything? Um, 
honestly, just 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 the confidence of just being at the three more um, corner threes. I've been shooting those all summer long. Just getting the confidence in that. Um, honestly, I would just say the corner three. You know, I've, I've been I've been shooting it. You know, all 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 year long, and now I'm just going to translate it to the game. I know this is going to be hard for you to be objective, but I do want to ask you how good how good can this team be with the with the premise that everybody stays healthy? The sky's the limit. Really, <laughs> the sky's the limit, and I. And You're not just saying that. It's scary. It's honestly scary to see the drive that this team has right now. We we. The guys, we volunteered to come back. AD hit us all up. We've been here for two or three weeks now. You know what I mean? And that that's unheard of as a team to have everyone here working hard, going at it. And and not that, that it's light. It's every day. <laughs> Workouts. Oh, let's go hit the hill. Let's, let's do this together. You know, that's what this team wants. That's what we want. You know, and coaches, they just say, hey, hey, you know. Maybe you guys should take a break today. You know, maybe you guys should, you know, calm down a little bit. You know, we're like, no, we're just going to get ready, keep grinding out. And everyone here is, it's, it's contagious. It's very, it really is. You you did see the Western Conference get tougher this offseason, right? I mean, you did kind of notice uh, some of the other things going on around the league when, I, when, when I'm asking you this. That that has nothing to do with us. Okay. They, we, we, they have to keep up with us this year. Let's I, say that. I, lo <laughs> I love that answer. Um, what do you think, you know, as we visit here, we're, I think, we're four days away from media day and we're off to West Virginia. What what kind of a camp do you expect under Coach Gentry and with your teammates? Apparently now we're, we're running. We're going to let our athleticism go and we're going to be the um, a great just defensive-minded team. Um, you know, offense will be there. We can, we can definitely score. We can see that. Um, but defense is where we're going to put our hat this year and we're just going to make that number one priority and get out and run. You look great. Glad to have you back here in New Orleans, and uh, we're looking forward to next week. Thank you. Me too. Dante Cunningham with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Hey, we got to wrap up this show. We'll do so in our next segment right after this. Everything you need to know about your New Orleans Pelicans is right in the palm of your hands. The New Orleans Pelicans app is easy to use, plus makes an excellent companion whether you're watching the team in the Smoothie King Center or on the road. Recently added features on the app include the latest videos and highlights, plus access to a full list of arena amenities. Download the Pelicans app for free now on your iPhone or Android devices. For more information, check out pelicans.com today. Ever been surprised by a bill? A big bill that's higher than expected? Entergy's online tools let you take control. Try level billing so there are no surprises. Pick a due date that works for you. And sign up for alerts to remind you when your bill is due. Make your bills fit your budget. Don't wait another month. Take action today at EntergyIdeas.com. That's the power of people. Entergy. Want each show delivered right to your iPhone or iPad? Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by searching Black and Blue Report. As promised, it was a great Thursday Black and Blue Report because of great guests. Uh, thanks again to the voice of the Saints, Jim Henderson. Also the voice of the Carolina Panthers, Mick Mixon with us today, and Dante Cunningham. Uh, just a great visit with him, and I'm so pleased that he's in the frame of mind that he is as we get set to bring, begin training camp on Monday. We'll have more conversation uh, regarding the Pelicans tomorrow 
when we have our first visit with Pelicans assistant coach Darren Ehrman. Uh, and then we'll uh, wrap up our, our um, coverage of Saints and Panthers with Chris Myers from the NFL on Fox. He has the play-by-play television side on Sunday from Charlotte, North Carolina. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday, everybody. Obviously, later on today, you'll want to make sure you check out NewOrleansSaints.com and your Saints mobile app for the latest injury reports. Don't forget to check Carolinas, too, as Luke Keekley is a huge piece of uh, the storyline for this weekend. Otherwise, we'll see you tomorrow. Daniel Salerson's your host, and we've got those great guests that we just told you about. So with that being said, we say goodbye. Go Saints, go Pelicans. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report. Thank you.